We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helpin. Hi, everybody. It's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, August 11th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. My guest today is Michael Salfino from Yahoo Fantasy Sports. He writes for the Wall Street Journal. He hosts the Breakfast Table Podcast with uh, Yahoo's Scott Pianowski, who was on here, I think, a week or two. Somewhere recently, Scott was on with me. Um, so, as everybody knows, I've mentioned a few times, Mike, I prepare notes before these shows. We're recording this at 3 o'clock Eastern on Friday afternoon. And about two hours before we started, basically the notes, I just threw them away. All hell broke loose today. Right? What is going on? Why are there trades in the NFL now? On top of the the big, big news. Which we were kind of expecting, but obviously not this extreme. No. Um, But, but, uh, you know, a hat tip to Chris Carter, I guess. For yeah, information. And shame on you, Jerry Jones, for making fantasy in this window of the last week or so. I was off of Elliot for the suspension risk the whole um, 
you know, draft season for which for us starts like pretty much like months ago. Right. So, uh, but for most people, it isn't even, hasn't even started yet. But then when Jones kind of gave the all clear, like there's nothing near, uh, there's nothing here. And, uh, I don't, uh, he's not going to get suspended. I took that as, as kind of gospel. I figured who would be more plugged in than Jerry Jones at this point. Right. Exactly. So yeah, that. Was so just, I drafted him. I uh, uh, so my one share is a twenty five dollar MFL. Okay, and that's like fifth pick. That so. fifth pick, and you're still so wait. So right now, where, where if you're in a you know your typical twelve team two running back league you know draft, what are you doing with Ezekiel Elliott? Where you, you're going to miss? So it's a six game suspension. Their bye week is in week six. So of your 13 regular season fantasy games, you're yep. going to lose seven. That's right. I mean, what do you do with this guy? Even yeah, you just, you can't take him in the first three rounds. I mean, I, you know, I guess you could take him in the third round if you're insistent on taking a running back in that spot. But one of my favorite guys in that spot was Sammy Watkins and who I want no part of now with, you know, in the, in the LA desert wasteland of Jared Goff. So that was one of my go-to moves there along with Travis Kelsey. So I might be running out of third round options, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe Elliot, if you're really confident in your ability to make the playoffs, I get it. But if you consider, which I think is wise, like fantasy football to be a 13 week season and then see what happens, then like, like you said, you're talking about losing a player for more than half this season, pretty much guaranteed, barring some sort of reduction in suspension, which who knows if that's going to happen, but I don't think you could bet on that. Right. So this is, this is really, really bad. It's really tough to take a guy with a premium pick knowing that you're not going to have him for more than half of the regular season. It's almost like borderline crazy. It is borderline crazy. And, and what, I'm, what I'm coming to, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. I, I've got him. I, I basically looked at my running back rankings and I go, all right, just first, first look, where do I slide him? I came up with number 24 and probably a fifth or sixth round pick. Basically I'm looking at it and I'm thinking someone's going to take him higher than I will. Like it's just not so because someone's going to say, Oh, I can get by. And they're going to say, I'm confident that I can get through it, which is, I mean, bold. I don't know if it's smart, but it's bold. But you're, I mean, you, you take him in the third round or even the fourth, you're sitting on him till the end of October. He's actually due back October 29th. Think about that. Right. That's his first first game back. Now, here's the one thing. Some I tend to play in 14-team leagues, which, just because of their structure, have um, more sh- strict playoff requirements. Now, if you're in a 12-team league where six teams are making it and you have um, one or two teams making it on points, so you even have that backdrop of, of making it uh, because of you know, just because you're scoring a lot of points and you could pile up those points at any point in your fantasy season, it could be, it could be uh, obviously once Elliot gets back, then I think maybe you can give that consideration. But if you're playing in a tougher format, uh, you know, we're making the playoffs is really actually an achievement and, and can't be reasonably assumed. Then I think you really have to stay away. All right. Um, everybody, before we move on, We'd like to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring uh, the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football uh, and decide where you want to draft Ezekiel Elliott at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Um, Twitter, Mike is at Michael Salfino. I'm actually helping 37. 
Um, you can also catch us at Rotowire, at Rotowire NFL for updates, and you can find us on Facebook. All right, more on Ezekiel Elliott. So I've read, you know, Twitter has, everybody has to react and be, make pronouncements immediately and all that. I've read some people saying, you know, well, it's a good idea. And, you know, if you can get the hand, if you can get him and his backup. Yeah. You'll be great. Like that's going to be so easy. You're right. Who is it? Are like we sure whole, it's McFadden? Well, I, I think it probably is McFadden because it seemed like Morris was likely to, um, he was a guy that I, I, I actually expected Morris to get cut. And I think his running style is a good fit in, in certain systems, like especially like maybe like Denver sort that Shanahan style offense, the one cut system. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be as good a fit in Dallas, even behind that offensive line. I think McFadden got hurt last year. He's a talented player. He's still young enough, I think, to contribute for, you know, that short window. Um, and he's obviously running downhill literally behind one of the best <laughs> offensive lines in football. So, uh, but the thing, the thing that I don't like about that advice is that it's not easy now to get McFadden before it was easy to get McFadden. Now, I think it's going to cost you an eighth round pick. I was thinking six or seven. So we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You want to, so you like, got to spend two of your top scenario. seven or eight on two right. Dallas running backs. Exactly. And you, and, and, and I think your point is fair. There is no guarantee. Like it would not shock me. I, I don't think Morris gets cut now. Morris has still been a successful player. He's younger than McFadden. He kind of approximates Elliot probably better than McFadden. I'm thinking in terms of his running style. So, and, and I think there's a decent chance that he'll at least be the goal line back. So you're not really talking about McFadden, even discounting for their uh, different skill levels, reasonably approximating Elliot um, just in terms of his workload. I don't think. Right. Um, all right. The, the other guy I wanted to ask you about there that, that I feel like I've heard a little bit about over the summer um, Rod Smith, anything? I mean, it could be, could it be him? Maybe. Yeah. Why, why not? I mean, anything is possible at this point. You, you don't. You, uh, so I think we have to be, we have to make sure that we don't overpay for McFadden before we get that preseason week three clarity. The only thing that I really care about is the pre in the preseason is who is starting week three, because that's the dress rehearsal for week one of the regular season. So I think, you know, it's not going to be the carries, obviously, although the starters are likely to play two to three quarters, but you're going to be able to see in who gets the first carry um, or the first set of carries who the starter is for the for the Cowboys. And right now, I think it's probably like 75 percent uh, probability for McFadden. OK, um, but but generally on August 11th, this is this is an avoid. It sounds like completely and, and more power to the person who, who drafts one of those guys and scores with it, I think. Well, I think if you could get if you could get McFadden after the eighth round, I think it's it's a, it's a decent thing to do because there's a good chance you'll at least be able to trade him to the Elliott owner. You know, like right. in other words, uh, the, the assumption that oh, the Elliott owner, everybody's going to clear the path so that he could just you know waltz into McFadden because that's just the way it's going to go. That's that's not the way it's going to go, and that's not the way you should let it go if you're in a league with somebody else owning Elliot. You should be looking to make that person's life completely miserable. Okay. So, Dallas, when, when they have McFadden or Morris or Smith back there, um, they're still going to run plenty. 
But do you think Dak Prescott, I mean, do you see what kind of volume increase do you think we might be looking at? I mean, we're guessing at this point, but what do you think? Well, here's the thing. The play success is going to go down on the running plays. Uh, it's reasonable to, to assume because I, I think we all agree that Elliott is a uh, an elite uh, uh, talent at his position. So with that decline in rushing success rate, I think it's going to create more passing opportunities out of necessity. Um, I don't know how frequently he's going to pass on first down, which is the easiest down to pass on, but I think it's, he's likely to be in, um, you know, where Elliot last year was just a dynamo on first down. I think he averaged like about six yards per carry on first down. It was insane. When you just look at what he did on first down alone, that would be a, a fantasy season you would just sign for. Right. Um, and uh, I, I mean, well over a thousand yards on first down. So, so that's going to come down, and I think it's going to create more passing situations on second and third down. Now, how Prescott. Uh, is able to play uphill in the passing game where last year that was kind of just like all gravy. Like he always had um, kind of game flow and down and distance working in his favor. Now those things are maybe going to be working against him. How he responds in that situation as a young player, I think is a complete unknown. So I think there's a little risk there. Prescott though comes out, scores well in my models as a quarterback whose YPA last year predicted a much higher touchdown rate. So, so even with the same volume, he, he should have thrown about three or four more touchdown passes last year, Okay, which you, is significant. D- does this change the way you look at Dez at all? You know, Dez is a player. I just did my, my wide receiver model for, for Yahoo and you mm-hmm. can, uh, just search Salfino Yahoo and you could get these articles, which are also on Roto Arcade and they're part of the Yahoo fantasy football draft package. But the, uh, what I did was I did relative yards per target. So you get the yards per target of the, of, of the wide receiver and you get the yards per target for all the receivers on the team. And then you just compare that receiver to all the other receivers. And then you get like a plus or minus number and does, performed poorly in that statistic last year he was underwater by about uh 0.4 yards per target which doesn't sound like a lot but when you know the way brian is deployed this stat tends to favor the players who are more apt to get plays downfield and that's brian so actually there's a bias in his favor and he's still underwater you know it's not like Huli, it's not like uh, edelman right who who we expect to perform poorly in that because all of his targets are, are short they're basically like long handoffs so uh so brian given the fact that he's a downfield receiver scoring poorly in that stat is is something that really gave me pause at his adp so uh, i i think i i'm uh after that analysis i'm off brian where he's going which is kind of i have him at at 19th overall where do you have him i have him let's see overall i always i always fumble with the overalls because i never after the first round i never look at them but I yeah. am twenty first, so pretty close. okay. Yeah, so somewhere somewhere in that range, you know. I, I here's the thing: I love Dez. I really want to take him, and everybody who owned Dez last year had a, a tough sledding for most of the year with him, where he was annoying. But anybody who made it into the championship game with Dez Bryant won their league. So <laughs> you know, that's the last memory of Dez Bryant. And, and for many of us, like he completely salvaged what seemed like a certain defeat because he was the last game, I believe, that week as well. So, um, I do have a natural bias in Dez's favor, but his performance last year, for whatever reason, was lacking. Got it. Okay. 
Um, everybody, we want to, we, Michael mentioned it. I want to thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form where there's no such thing as excessive celebration. Did, did you approve the word funnest in this read? <laughs> No, I did not. I, that is not a word that I would have that I would have chosen. But you did a you did a really good job selling it. Though was was Pianowski, Did he do that? Do you think? Yes. Keep I, I I'd be shocked. <laughs> All right. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play and easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today at RotoWire.com/slash/yahoo. Download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. The Yahoo Fantasy app Messenger allows for all the witty banter and smack talk that your league can muster. That app is just as extensive as the desktop experience, letting you draft, trade, and check waiver options right on your phone. Gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo where you can manage your league dues for free. Sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football, rotowire.com slash Yahoo. That's rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football. Feel the wins. And, and whoever wrote funnest, I can't wait for the email. Whoever it is, I'm joking. Did Liz provide the uh, algorithm and the inputs for the fantasy football smack talk uh, in that in that application? I, I don't know. I got to find that out. Let's ask them. Possible. Yeah, I'm going to check that one. <laughs> okay. The other. So now we're done with the Ezekiel Elliott news. So then you see that on Friday, and you go six games. We were all expecting two. Holy cow! Who take a deep breath after an hour? And Sammy Watkins gets traded to the Rams. For me, it wasn't even an hour. Like I I was, I guess, a little bit behind because I had to work on a story for for the Wall Street Journal's uh, film section that 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 I had to file this morning. So maybe I was a little bit late for that. But as I was just getting into the Elliott news, all of a sudden there's a tweet, you know, from uh, Rappaport, I think, about how Watkins is trading, and it seemed like it was a fake account. I was like, this cannot be true. But he had the check mark, and it was true. But it just seems so bizarre that you know that the the news would overlap that way. Yeah. Full, so the, so basically, they're in the, the Bills are in full dump mode. Um, but we're going to talk about the Rams first. Let's talk about Watkins first. So Watkins goes. Everybody, as I love to say all the time, and I think I, Tyrod Taylor doesn't get enough credit. He's not a superstar, but everybody thinks, oh, he's a runner and he can't throw, and that's just not true. Um, he's not great, but he's fine. What is, this is a downgrade for, for Watkins quarterback-wise, right? Oh, it's a huge downgrade. How, I mean, Goff is just there, – there was, there was nothing the, – the only thing to like about Goff at this point is, well, they picked him number one and he looked better in college, and, you know, he can't be this bad. Well, and that's true. When well, I, I did a story at the journal where I looked at quarterbacks with similar performance in their rookie year, and I was shocked to find that um, about half of the list actually turned out to to be good anyway, even when you adjust for the league environment that they were in. So I wouldn't like close the books on Goff, but Taylor was was a quarterback that I felt safe with with my zero bad quarterback strategy, where I felt that he was good enough that I didn't have to discount his um, the skill players on his team. But with Goff, obviously, you have to make that discount because Goff, I think, is reasonably projected to be among the five worst quarterbacks in the league. And usually that is not a fantasy environment that you want to have wide receivers and running backs in. Um, so, so you mentioned earlier, I think you were saying earlier, you were looking at Watkins in the third round. Is that right? 
Yeah, he would be the guy that I that I would target. Now, obviously, you assumed a lot of injury risk. I'm not saying that that was like my ideal mm-hmm. pick. I would prefer Travis Kelsey since he was like from week seven to sixteen, which seems arbitrary. But week seventeen was was a, a game that didn't had no consequence for the Chiefs. He was the second leading yardage receiver in the NFL behind. Uh, Evans and only by about 30 yards so anytime that you can get a tight end I know there's a problem with the touchdowns but still I bet volume and I hope that the touchdowns will come unless there's a reason that you could think of logically that where they shouldn't um, and and Kelsey certainly is a guy who could succeed in the red zone so uh, he's a guy that I that I think has a chance at the tight end position to, to lead the league in receiving yards considering how he did it for such an extended period last year almost and um clearly i think is going to be the leading receiver in yardage on his team so how many tight ends have we ever been able to say that about right yeah i'm in okay i mean i think third round for kelsey i'm with you i actually got him in a draft last week toward on the tail end of the third in a ppr and i was pretty happy um watkins so now is he how much does he fall for you let's say like fifth round yeah that's terrible and and the thing is, like, I I don't even think I'm going to get him if 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 he's there. I would be thinking about him, but I'm kind of hoping he's gone, and I don't even have to take him in the fifth round. Right? <laughs> okay. I mean, because who wants to? The, the thing is, you draft a guy with a premium pick, and it's basically like the first five rounds. It's kind of like zero running back, where eventually, yes, you'll you'll take the running back, and eventually, yes, you'll take the guys that you think are going to get good volume, even if they're with a bad quarterback. But do you want to spend significant draft? capital or auction dollars on those players do you want to feel that your season's fate is handcuffed to a quarterback who could be you know an absolute dreg no absolutely yeah. not so i mean just imagine yourself owning Watkins and having to kind of keep an eye on every rams game and hope every time that they get close to the end zone that somehow there's going to be a touchdown pass which you know is almost like rooting for like you know santa claus to come down the chimney <laughs> Okay. Uh, The other guy I want to mention there, we're going to talk more about the zero bed quarterback strategy later, but one guy on your list there was Todd Gurley. Is there anything to the possibility, even though you don't like Watkins in this spot, is there anything to the possibility reasonably to that it would affect your decision making that you look and you say, well, maybe Watkins opens things up a little bit for Gurley. Is it just a reach? Is it, you know, is it a hope more than logic pretty much? I think it's, I think there's logic there. I I think that the chances of an eight man box go down with Watkins on the field. Um, And certainly, you know, that Goff at a minimum has to have NFL arm talent considering he was a number one overall draft pick. What's fascinating is that Scott and I were talking and it ended up getting cut from the podcast because we were really supposed to just talk about quarterbacks. But we went on a long sidebar about Watkins and uh, and Gurley. And, you know, because he liked Gurley and did not like Watkins for the injury risk. And my point was, well, how could you like uh, Gurley? Who, who has significant risk that he's just not a good running back, considering how abysmal his performance was last year, um, where he could be the new Trent Richardson. It's not impossible. There's some chance of that, right? But you're going to discount Watkins, who, who we all, I think, would agree is a good player if healthy, just for the health. So, But now they're on the same team, which is yeah. so bizarre. Like, we were, you know, this was, this was last night we were talking about this. 
Wow. Yeah. This is a, I don't know. The Ram, you want, you want the Rams to be good and it's just never. You know, the Rams have the, the least amount of salary cap room in the NFL. Think about that with what? that roster. No, that as a true fact, that is not fake news. <laughs> um, no, seriously, they have, according to overthecap.com, they have the least amount of salary cap room. It may have changed a little bit with this trade. I just don't know like what the trade-off was with the cornerback and the and Watkins, but but uh, they were they were the they had the least amount of cap room for for this season. All right, so now let's go back to Buffalo. Who with there's another trade. Um, I know the Bills traded Watkins for EJ Gaines, who's a bad corner, and a draft pick, a second round pick, second round pick, and then. The Bills Rams are allergic to draft picks, by the way. Yes. Which they suck at the draft anyway. But so it's probably go good ahead. for them if they yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> then the Bills trade away uh, Ronald Darby, who's a pretty good corner, right? Um, yes. And for, for Jordan Matthews, they trade him to the Eagles for Jordan Matthews and the Bills, and they get another pick back. So I think the Bills have six of the first 90 next year or something. Um, I right. read that earlier. I think it's right. Um, so now in Buffalo, you've got Tyrod's got. Jordan Matthews, Anquan Bolden, and Zay Jones, who I think was their second-round pick. Who everybody loves. All everybody the Sharps loves. love him. Yeah, you can't. People won't shut up about Zay. Since draft night, they won't shut up about Zay Jones. And it was fine. Is this, for Tyrod Taylor, consider, when you factor in Sammy Watkins' uh, penchant for not being available, is this that much of a downgrade for Tyrod Taylor? I don't think so, because he obviously generates so much production with his legs. Um, and, and he's a, he's an odd player anyway, and that he needs, here's the, here's the one thing where it may be a downgrade, a healthy Watkins gave him the opportunity for the home run. And he's a home run dependent player in the passing game because he is not as Hank Stram used to say, a guy who could matriculate the ball down the field. He is not going to be able to beat you with efficiency and rhythm in the short passing game. He needs to break the pocket and, and make a huge downfield play play and he's and he's good at that but the easy simple simple throws he, he often struggles with mightily and that seems to be the area of the field where where Matthews is going to be limited to because he's a guy who can't play outside the numbers he's limited to the slot he's like the most supersized slot receiver pretty much that we've seen and I just don't know if you know working that short and intermediate area of the field if he's going to be someone who could have success given you know Taylor's um, accuracy woes. Okay, so of all these guys, right now, Zay Jones, ADP-wise, I'm using the MFL ADP, 151 overall, which has him at wide receiver 57. Is that one? I'm just, like, never taking a rookie wide receiver, pretty much. But I know, like, Beckham. And I ended up with so many shares of Beckham that year because he was on the waiver wire, if you remember. Right, I do. Um, So, so, uh, and I figured, like, what the heck, you know? So I got completely lucky there. But I'm generally off of rookie wide receivers. Even at this kind of price, you're just not, you'd rather take a shot at someone else? Well, the thing is, yeah, because there's usually a guy that I like, like Kenny Stills might be there. Yeah, that's true. At that ADP. And like, you know, Cutler and Stills is a match made of heaven. You know, I wrote for the journal this week, you know, uh, Stills had the most 40 plus yard long, deep touchdown plays in the NFL last year Four. did he really? Yes. Wow. And by the way, to your point, the ADP wise wide receiver 57 for Zay Jones, wide receiver 75 for Kenny Stills. You know how old Stills is? He's not old. Yeah. He's like 23 or something. 
It's and, absurd. And, what has he been in the league? Four years now? Something like that? Is, or, or is he 20? He's got to be 20. Maybe he played last year at 23. Wow. And he's a good deep threat. And uh, Jarvis, I, you, you, so you're down on Jarvis Landry, I bet. No, no, I like Landry because Landry to me is going to be like sort of like Brandon Marshall in terms of volume without the touchdowns, obviously, because he's not as good a red zone threat. But if you remember back, you know, Brandon Marshall is a guy that uh, had often struggled in the red zone and greatly underperformed his his target volume and catch volume in terms of the number of touchdowns most years. Now, that changed later in his career for some reason, but that was pretty much. Uh, what we had come to expect out of Marshall, where he was more of a, a, a catch and you know a PPR wide receiver, and and I think uh, Landry, who is not likely to even get the the eight or nine touchdowns that you could usually bank on for Jones, I think I think Landry is going to be a, a very effective. Like if you can get him around wide receiver twenty five, where he's falling now, I think yeah. that that's a very good play in PPR. Okay. Um, the other guy in the Bills. Does this do anything because because you don't think the receiving core hurts that badly with this with these moves? You probably don't have much of a different outlook on Lashawn McCoy than you did six hours ago. No, because the key to the running game. I've done a lot of research on this. Where you, the 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 quarterback who's the running threat um, creates generally. Uh, I think it's a, you know point five to one. Uh, extra yards per carry let's call i think the average is about 0.6 which is it's very significant yeah yeah um and and that's that's going back you know like 15 years where which is pretty much the the dawn of the era of the running quarterback so uh, that's the key and that's why both uh, running backs on Buffalo were so successful last year and the year before and are likely to both be successful this year. So the only reason why I don't draft McCoy is because Jonathan Williams is such a bargain. Right. Okay. That's true. Well, so you're not drafting McCoy. Um, where do you, who, who's ahead other than the big three and now it's the big two with Elliott suspended. Who's ahead of McCoy on your list if you're drafting running backs? Freeman. Okay. For sure. Touchdown. And then, and then, um, and then you know McCoy would probably be next to, for me because I'm not I'm not a, uh, a Melvin Gordon fan at all. I think Gordon's ADP is borderline insane. Given that I mean, has there ever been a guy in the history of fantasy football who has been a consensus first round pick in his third year and has never averaged four yards per carry at running back? I mentioned this to someone a couple weeks ago that I feel like I I, like, I kind of like I like the volume and I think that maybe he'll get better. But we're really we're banking a mid mid first round pick on a guy with a three point nine yards per carry last year and we're all so excited that he had it so yeah i'm with you it, it's a little it's too high i like the guy but and i think he'll get better but this that's too high it's too much of an investment there's too much risk there right so. and th- now you have to take somebody so I, I i mean i get it i got jay ajayi my one share when he went two nine in an mfl in the league where i got elliot at the fifth overall pick so i thought that that was pretty much like the that that's as far as I could see Ajayi dropping, and if he drops that far and I'm picking, I'll take him there. Uh, but he's another guy who didn't have a lot of play success, but um, generated so many big plays it didn't matter. I right. think he had 21% of his total rushing yards on six carries last year. <laughs> wow, that's a good stat. Um, all right, everybody. Odd new fantasy football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like an NFL GM. It's better fantasy football, auction-based, deep rosters, college players in the player pool, stash college prospects for the future, trade for superstars to make a championship push, and develop a team over multiple seasons, kind of like the Bills are doing right now. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. That's Odd new fantasy football, O-T-T-O-N-E-U, oddenewfootball.com. 
right, let's get to the back, back to zero bad quarterback, which you've been, I know on Twitter, you've been talking about a lot. It's not, it's not as much the people's general thought process seems to be, I'm not sure about that receiver or maybe the second receiver because the quarterback's so bad and there won't be much where you're kind of looking at it like, I don't want anybody associated with that quarterback. He's like a plague basically. Yeah. Todd Gurley. I think uh, here's the genesis of it. As I explained in my article about it on Yahoo last year, when we were about into week six and we knew that Osweiler was terrible, people were still speculating that Hopkins and Miller were going to be good bets to, to re- positively regress closer to their ADP. So I did research where I looked at comparable quarterbacks in NFL history. And I tried to find out how many of those guys still had running backs that would be you know about in the top 12 and how many had wide receivers that would be about in the top i don't know if i used 12 or 24 i probably used 24 since that makes sense and it was literally zero percent of the <laughs> for the for the wide receivers and and you know about 15 to 25 percent um depending on on you, you know it was so close with like 12 and 13 for the running back so odds are greatly against it and then it came to me you know I didn't have those guys because of that reason where I didn't trust the quarterback situation. But why do we bother? Isn't the advice to just not take guys like that in the first, second, and third round is for sure? And we almost do it anyway. It's kind of like zero running back, right? A lot of us, before zero running back was so brilliantly conceived dogmatically that we're just not we're literally taking no running backs for the first four or five rounds right right most a lot of us like to do that anyway because it always seemed that the wide receivers were the good value uh and similarly we kind of do zero bad quarterback because of the top 60 picks i have nine teams on my do not draft list only 11 of those 60 guys are on those teams okay Right, so, so I'm just going a little further, yep, basically. Right. But, but some see, – see, I know that I have fallen into the trap. And you're saying first three rounds. You're not saying all day in a draft. I, I understand. Well, I, I personally think it should be the first five rounds. Okay. But, but, uh, but look, ind- individual mileage may vary. If you feel really good about you know, if Demarius Thomas somehow slides into the fourth round, like I, I can't really fight you that much. I just think that those guys tend to have limited upside. I think Thomas, for example, is at the, the height as a freakish borderline Hall of Fame level talent. He is at the, at the absolute ceiling of what is possible with a quarterback of that ilk the last two years. Okay. I mean, I, I know I have fallen into the trap before of looking at a team and saying, well, someone's got to catch a bunch of passes. Yes. And I think, I think the perfect example of that is DeAndre Hopkins. And you're just <laughs> where he's going, which is late second round here by ADP. You're kind of like, nah, I don't want any part of that with the quarterback. Yeah, there's just no way I'm doing that. And Lamar Miller, uh, same thing. Yeah. Uh, And and here's the thing. You talk about the targets, right? And then a lot of people don't like a guy like Michael Thomas because they'll be like, well, he's only going to get 125 targets. But those are Drew Brees targets. Yes. So let's be realistic, right? What is a Drew? If you were to sort of, you know, uh, put a a value on a Drew Brees target versus like a, uh, you know, Brock Osweiler target, what would the difference be? Like how many targets would you need from from Osweiler for your receiver to equal the 120? 
225 that Breeze that Thomas is going to get from Breeze. 225? I was going to say a thousand, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So so okay, and that's an extreme example. But the point holds even as we get further down. Like Joe Flacco, how many Joe Flacco targets equal 125 Drew Breeze targets? I would say like 165 at a minimum. Yeah. Uh, right, I agree. I Ballpark, think right. back of the napkin. Even though he's a winner, I'm kidding. Right. So, the, but the thing is, like, you should. I think you should not really worry about targets with the efficient quarterbacks. You shouldn't really care about how many targets Jordy Nelson gets. If he gets 150, that's fine. If he gets 125, you know, a lot of things I'd heard Jordy Nelson targets. It is the fact that those targets are so efficient that there doesn't need to be more of them. Right. One other guy I want to ask you about in this list. The, the other guys here, and you can go search for Mike Zero bad QB. So I'm not going to give it all away. Um, I know Leonard Fournette, who said last night that the NFL is easy. That was fun. Yes, I call him Leonard 3.4 net. <laughs> <laughs> How do you average 3.4 yards of carry in your first game and say, "Oh, this is so easy"? Yeah, it's so slow. I can't believe. It's so slow. I can't even believe the SEC was much faster than this. <laughs> and the other, um, the, the guy that that's jumping out on your list is Isaiah Crowell. And yeah, I kind of like Crowell. I mean, here's the thing. I think Kessler actually, if I knew Kessler was going to be the quarterback, I wouldn't really um, be so dogmatic about not drafting Browns. But I'm worried that, you know, they're going to go with Kaiser or somebody, and that could just be a disaster. It's hard to project at all. What I, I think like. here's the two things I'm thinking or about. Or God Crowell. forbid Osweiler. God forbid is right. Yeah. Um, Crowell caught 40 passes last year. And he might catch some again if they if they move Duke Johnson out to a wide receiver, basically, which they've been, you know, he 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 played a little out last night. They're talking about him as a slot receiver. That opens it up for Crowell to stay on the field a little more. And last year, I'm looking, all right, good yards per carry, only 198 carries because they were losing every week. They're still going to lose, but maybe not to the same degree. Like, they'll be more competitive, right, we think? Um. Yes, I would say that it's fair. They have a good offensive line. Crowell was very big play dependent. He was sort of he was he was with Jordan Howard and um, uh, Ajayi. Ajayi as guys who were really dependent on those big runs. And now I've done a lot of analysis like that, and it's very much supported that those guys regress. But then it dawned on me: Am I just kind of proving that yards per carry regress? I mean, there's very few backs. Lev Bell is a guy who doesn't rely on big runs, who just is so consistent in piling up positive runs that he doesn't even need those big runs to generate a huge percentage of his total. Like he's almost average in that regard, just slightly above average. I think average is like 42% of your total yards comes from big runs. And these guys that we're talking about, like Crowell and Howard and Ajayi, those guys are like 60%. Right. You know, great. You, you just made me think of, I think it was the playoff game against the Dolphins last year. I think it might have been Phil Simms doing it. I'm not sure. They were talking about Bell's patience. Like, basically, he almost goes in slow motion before he looks for the hole and hits it. Right, right. And Phil Simms basically is like, you know, boy, more backs should do that. I'm like, well, duh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't it's it like, be great if it, they could? It's like the really good Madden player versus the guy they, who doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, you know, they, they just know how to just you know, pace it and find the holes and follow the blocks. And other guys are just jamming it right up there into a mass of bodies. So it's, it's, um, I mean, that's what makes bell, you know, the, the elite talent that he is. I don't think that it's something that, that you could just count on other backs being able to replicate. Right. He's just, he, he's, 
I like him so much. And the question, I'm going to ask you this one. I've been asking a lot of people this one. The, the consensus seems to be yeah. David Johnson one and Bell two. I don't think it, I have it ranked that way, but I don't think it's a clear decision. If, if you know Bell's not going to um, – I'm not really worried about the suspension. It seems like his uh, pot issues are a thing of the past, um, and that's not really uh, uh, something that I, I think I – mean, I'm sure there are ex- contrary examples, but it's not something that's usually associated with addiction, right? Right. So I'm not that worried about, about that aspect. But the thing that I do worry about with Bell is his injury history is so significant, and Johnson is uh, pretty much a clean player physically. So, uh, you know, I think it's really hard to project 16 games for Bell, and it's uh, easier to project it for Johnson. And that, to me, is the only difference. That's fair. I I can buy that. But on a per-game basis, I mean, here's the thing. Bell is is going to beat Johnson uh, on a per-game basis. He's just in a better offense, and he's a slightly better runner. And um, he's a little bit worse as a wide receiver, but he's still elite. So, um, you know, I, I just think I think the uh, the edge, especially when you consider that the Steelers are likely to score more points than the than the Cardinals. I think the edge goes that way. But again, it's hard to assume health with Bell. Right. I, I think the, the one thing with those guys and, and the health is a, if you have to make that decision at the top of your draft, that's got to that's a huge factor between them. Um, but I love it when, when I read things about Johnson with people saying, you know what, Arians is talking about maybe getting the ball close to 30 times a game this year. Well, Bell gets that. Exactly. We don't have to talk about that with him. It's there. Right. And I really, the one thing that I don't like about Johnson is I don't like Chris Johnson coming back. Mm. You look at the Chris Johnson in and out of splits and you know, Bell is, uh, Johnson was so much better without Chris Johnson active. Um, but when he was active, he, Chris Johnson is a player with, who's had uh, enough success in his career that the coaches are going to feel like they have to give him something to do (laughs) for Chris Johnson. You know, we thought he was dead a few years ago. Then he came back and had a handful of decent games. But didn't you, as a John, as a David Johnson fan, didn't your heart like kind of sink a little bit when you saw that Chris Johnson sign with the Cardinals? Yes. Or you just like, why? Yeah, right. He's going to come back to the person who had David Johnson two years ago who thought he scored. I drafted him in a league. I think in one of the flex leagues, I drafted David Johnson maybe the 10th round. And then about week eight, I said, all right, I can't do this anymore. And I cut him. Oh, yeah. I had him in the Stopa League the whole year. And we have absurdly short benches. But um, that was a team that I did with Davis Maddock. And I got to give Davis credit because Davis was saying like in, in May, he was like, David Johnson is a championship winner. And so we kept him the whole time. And we did make it to the championship where we lost in heartbreaking fashion, but we kept him. In other words, like he did show enough where you were like, if this guy ever got a chance, cause he showed it right away, but then he didn't get a chance for a long time. Right. And he was, because of, because of, because of Chris Johnson. And at the, you're right. At the end of that year, he went completely bonkers. Oh, it was, it was absurd. Yep. What was it? A Sunday night at Philly. Was that the big game I'm remembering? He scored three touchdowns and uh, yeah, and he had that ridiculous like fifty something yard run too. I play yes. in a league. My home league is distance scoring, oh, nice. like huge distance bonuses. So that was just amazing. You know, you're always like holding your breath on the on the review too to make sure that because right. you're just like, how did he possibly stay in bounds? But he did. All right, you did a, an all upside team. I won't go through the whole list again. You can search for that on uh, Yahoo Sports. I want to ask you about two guys. Um, Philip Rivers, which I like. 
Yeah, but Cousins was my first choice, but I just written about him the year before. He's the guy whose yards per attempt is is so strong. And Scott and I talked about a lot about this on our quarterback podcast that's available right now. Um, that that he actually earned thirty five touchdown passes last year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I I keep railing. I don't know why people don't like Kirk Cousins. It makes no sense. Volume and everything. And he's overpaid. He's overpaid. He wants all that yes. money. Greedy jerk. Um, Philip Rivers, even without so much, he loses Mike Williams. That's we don't know how good Mike Williams is going to be, but he was another threat. You know, big talent got drafted early. Yeah. Um, Tyrell Williams, pretty good. Keenan Allen back for you know hopefully a while. Yeah. Um, but but you're Philip Rivers. He's just you, it, you the know, tight ends. Got, go ahead. Henry and Gates. That's good. It's fine. I think Henry's a little overrated. Fantasy Maybe, uh, but I think he's overrated only because Gates is going to take so many yes. red zone looks away from him. But that that helps Rivers, though. That's true. It, it does. And remember, multi-tight end offenses are the most successful passing offenses in football. That's Kirk Cousins' secret weapon. When they come out in two and three wide receivers, he's, like, unstoppable. Okay, multi-tight end. Who, who are the multi-tight end? I mean, do the, I just, you've researched it. Do the Patriots skew that? No, because it's 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 just when teams are deploying, any team is deploying a multi tight end set, um, the, and you just look at the the rating overall. There wasn't uh, actually the Patriots weren't even uh, in. They weren't the number one team, and they certainly weren't significantly different than than the other leading teams. Okay. So, if I recall correctly, but but it's it's year in and year out the most uh, difficult uh, offense to defend against the pass. And I think it's just this is just my theory. I think it's only because when you come out in a package like that, the defense has to go big, and those are the guys that are used to playing the run and not the pass. Okay. So that's those are the guys you want to pass against. Those guys aren't used to dropping back in coverage. All right, so so the other guy I want to ask you about there, a quarterback. What about Cam? Yeah, but I think, you know, Cam is not being discounted enough. My problem with Cam is I want a floor, which I think Rivers is going to give me, okay? Um, and the the problem with Cam is, and Rivers, if it doesn't work out, you, you could just drop Rivers and pick up somebody else. Like, you'll do that. Yep. With Cam, you're never going to do that. So if Cam, like in two of the last three seasons, has that quarterback 15, quarterback 17 year, you are just eating that sludge every week relentlessly. Right. And it's going to kill you because you're going to get your ass beat at that position by like six or seven points most weeks. That's a lot. Yeah. So, you know, that's my problem with Cam in a nutshell is that I don't really want the the huge ceiling there. If it's going to come with a low floor, I want I want a a narrower project projection range. Okay. Um, See, I feel like the floor. Well, the floor with health, I think the floor is fine with him. I know he'll run less, but at the goal line. But he was healthy in two of the last three years. And why was yep. he QB 15, QB 17? Last year was terrible. I, I don't have the running stats in front of me last year. He scored less, but he was He's terrible at passing. He was terrible. I, I, I just wrote a story for the journal today about uh, quarterback punishment. It's a punishment index. So what I did was I looked at hits, sacks, and tackled yeah. uh, per game. Cam is like 11.9. Like. Right. Every game since 2012, he is getting hit 12 times game. You know, Kirk Cousins is like 5.9. Mm-hmm. Eli's like 5.5. Roethlisberger's 5.5. Even Rodgers and Mariota running quarterbacks are like 8.5. You know, I mean, there's a limit 
to how much you want Cam to run if you own him because if he gets that second quarter concussion, you lose. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, the other guy I wanted to ask about, you had uh, you mentioned Kenny Stills, who, who's a really interesting player. But the other one, um, the Bucks. Jeremy McNichols. So Doug Martin now for the first three games. People think Jaquiz yes. Rogers is going to be there. Jeremy McNichols. Ham and Ager. Ja- Jaquiz Roger, Ham and Ager. He is. To use Jersey parlance. <laughs> I was at the game last year where he got, what is it, 10 carries in the first drive against the Panthers. Ridiculous. Oh, and they are. We did, we did a conservative coaching index at the Journal, too, last year. And Cutter is just absurdly conservative. Whenever he has a lead, he just goes into, it's basically like 100% runs. So, so Cutter says on Thursday... McNichol needs to quote get in the playbook. <laughs> See, and I had heard good things about McNichol prior to that. Right, Me it's too. McNichols, right? McNichols, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I had heard good things about him. Now, he, I think he's a guy that that projects to be have elite receiving talent at the position. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, remember the Cardinals didn't even want David Johnson. You know, they wanted Abdullah. Like they had, they settled for David Johnson and who knows how much of this stuff that we're reading now is motivational. Why would a coach ever come out and say, Oh my God, this rookie, he's got it all figured out. He's amazing. (laughs) He's got, he's got to get something to make him. And the more he's impressing you, the more you want to kind of keep him in check in a Parcells kind of way where, you know, you're going to, you're going to just start mocking the idea that, Oh, you know, I guess we've got to clear off the bust in Canton for Curtis Martin. (laughs) as a rookie. Um, so, so I don't know how much stock to put into that, but I will say this. Martin was just horrible last year. His yards per carry should have been measured in millimeters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the, and Rogers, like we said, I mean, he's, he's a journeyman. I know. No, I know he is. I mean, he might get the ball. He might get the ball 15 times a game though. And like McNichols, like is complete free speculation. That's true. He's costing you nothing. And, and Jaquiz Rogers is now starting to cost you something. Yeah. So my, my feeling is, you know, if you – McNichols is going to get some action in those first three weeks, and what if he pops some runs right. and some plays? Yeah. yeah and if, then you're, they, if you're the Bucks, ideally you don't want Jaquiz Rogers to get the ball 15 times. You're just doing it because you don't have a, a, a safer option. Right. All right. Um, and, if we wanted, and if Cutter wanted to do a Bill Parcells to McNichols, he could say she needs to get her head in the playbook instead of he <laughs> – Exactly. That's yeah. right. Harry uh-huh. Glenn. I missed, now, now, I now <laughs> here's the thing that I want to say for, um, with the rookie running backs. I think this, this is year where there's more, uh, enthusiasm for rookie running backs than I could ever remember. Now, I, rookie running backs are a go-to play for me, like that David Johnson model. Right. But I want to get those guys in the eighth, ninth and 10th round. Yeah. I don't want to be drafting those guys in like the second and third round. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm always looking for those guys, those rookies who are at least drafted in the first five rounds who have a reasonable path to becoming, you know, like a Halloween starter. You know what I mean? Yep. And maybe giving you a little bit of something uh, before then. And, and those are the guys in the deeper your benches, the more attractive the strategy is. And there's, some, there's guys like I like Jamal Williams for that reason as well. Because it's it's possible there, and there you could see the downside with Ty Montgomery. Even yeah, they if you don't like want him. don't want to do it. Right, like it doesn't matter if we think it's a good idea. It doesn't matter if it even is a good idea. Mike McCarthy doesn't want to play that way. Right, you just tell. All right, um, yeah, another, yeah, the rookie running. We're going to talk about one in a minute. Um, but first, we recommend that you go to fantasysportsmarkets.com. Fantasy Sports Markets has the best DFS contests available with cash awards, big bonus prizes every day, as always with Fantasy Sports Markets. There's no salary caps. You draft who you want on your roster. 
Try the free-to-enter preseason f- football contest. The prize is a copy of Madden 18, which we talked about earlier. Register today. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to get $15 in promotional credit towards your contest entries. It's available to all U.S. residents. Go to fantasysportsmarkets.com today. All right. We're going to hit on some news from the first two days of preseason games. That you, We had one game on Wednesday and a handful, a half dozen, seven, whatever it was on Thursday. Um, I'm not going to talk about the Hall of Fame busts for Kaiser and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Did you? Okay, exactly. Well, actually, and, Del, and Dalvin Cook. And uh, did you watch Trubisky? Four net, 3.4 net. 3.4 net. I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> did you watch Trubisky? What highlights I did, even? I watched highlights. I, I, I didn't. I saw, like, you'd see, you know, I made a crack about welcome to the NFL and that, you know, he, he was seven for seven for like 58 yards or something. So, I mean, that's that's the modern NFL passing game. You like to see these guys aired out a little bit. But with Trubisky, his arm strength actually is at the lower end of the um, measured spectrum where his velocity at the combine, according to uh, our, our lads, uh, scouting services was 50 miles an hour, which is just bad. All right. So I'm watching all these throws. And in my experts, did you see our, did, did, did it seem like he had functional NFL arm strength or, or did you see that as a problem? He was throwing on the run a lot. So it was a lot of short, you know, rollout kind of things. They were trying to yeah, keep the, him mobile. The, the stuff that works when like defenses aren't game planning and don't even know what your number is. Right. Yeah. The, the arm didn't look great. It didn't look bad, but it didn't look great. But I felt like I'm watching this guy and I'm saying, look, I, I'm, I am not far from a quarterback mechanics expert. A lot of throws off the back foot. Like I'm watching this guy going, he just doesn't look like he throws the ball well, not just the arm. But it, you said the arm strength is not great. And it looked to me like he was throwing all arm on a lot of passes. Right. And that's the thing. Like if you're Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre, you could get away with that. But yeah. if you don't have elite arm strength, you can't. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was a little, I know everybody was going a little crazy last night because, you know, he, he was efficient, but yeah, it didn't, I, I watched him Howard, by the way, is the guy to avoid the most in this whole zero bad quarterback strategy, right? Because uh, just because he popped last year, it still means his odds of popping this year are at best 25%. All right. Another rookie, you talked about rookie running backs. I'm going to talk about a couple, um, Samaje P Ryan. Now you don't want to go Get. Didn't he have bad reviews in camp for like not being able to pass block or something? Wasn't yes. that his problem? Last week there was there was talk in camp about him holding on to the ball and having blocking issues. That's not good. That's not good. So last night I read this, I did not see it yet. Fumble dropped a pass and missed a block. I mean that's that's a death sentence. That's a triple crown. It is exactly week one. <laughs> it, it's just death for a rookie running back. It's almost like the coach is like, it's, you know, it's, "Son, go sit down for a while." I, I mean, I like, I like, I think Rob Kelly is going to be mm-hmm. the the guy again, and he's barely costing you anything. And at some point, Chris Thompson, I Gruden likes him so much that last year he we heard on the broadcast with his brother that that uh, he has to remind himself every week not to give too many touches to Thompson because he wants to so badly. Right. Maybe at some point he's going to be like, why not? He why not do this? Yeah. Yeah. But Kelly, I'm a little mad about this development now with Piran because Kelly, he was someone yes. I was looking at. I'm going, I'm going to grab him in round 10 and just be yeah, happy and see yeah. hopefully it, it works out. Right. Yep. These guys are being saved from themselves. But Kelly is, let's see. I got him about he's like one, an eighth rounder now. One, I'm actually looking at him on MFL. He is an ele- he's a twelfth rounder. So everybody, 
If you draft it, this now weekend. Now it depends, though, because a lot of – remember, all those quarterbacks are moved up, and usually we're not taking them. So you, you almost have to add like two rounds to once you get past a certain point because no one's taking those – although I guess the, the averages might be higher in, in, a, in an MFL format. Right. Um, those quarterbacks are, are not being taken nearly as high. All right, next one. This is this has to do with the rookie running back. Um, report from the Cincinnati Inquirer. One of the beat writers said, "Jeremy Hill could start all season." Yeah, um, I know. Mixon is oh. another guy who had his place in Canton already. There's like three <laughs> Hall of Fame running backs who haven't even had a NFL carry yet. According I, I have to been. Twitter. I've been so anti-Mixon. Not not anti-Mixon, but the, the the price. What is he guaranteed to do? No, I don't know. Catch passes, maybe. No, Gio Bernard's maybe no. there too. Bernard's back. Like he's not even. We thought he was going to be pup for six weeks. I thought. Right, and he's back. Yeah. And Mixon is going in, you know, round three in some cases. He's not going to be the goal line back because Hill is actually really good at that. Right. And he, I mean, the guy, you, we're. we're uh, and I'm not just talking touchdowns. I'm talking about efficiency. I agree. I know. And he's, and he's some of what he's, 29 touchdowns in the first three seasons? Yeah. And I'm supposed and to expect the, he's going to disappear. Nah. They're going to give him, you know, you know what's weird about it? How many teams in NFL history have had three second round draft picks that, at running back that they've drafted? <laughs> and that's so bad. It's, I mean, it's so bad you know, that they did that. So, but the thing, I think the lesson for us is they're probably going to play all of these guys. Right. As long as Gio's healthy, which, you know, I mean, hopefully he is, then yeah, you're right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But Hill's another one who, who he could still get at a discount. Yeah. I mean, Hill is going extremely late. 55th at running back and 156th overall in MFL. Yeah, I actually did this. This is going to be an article at some point, so I don't want to give it all away. But I tried to figure out like what the uh, what the what the value is in the roles. So I won't give away my, my methodology. But basically, it was if you're the first and second down running back, that's about seventy three percent of running back value. Third down running back in PPR is about thirteen and a half percent. Same thing with goal line back. All right. Um, so I think we overrate third downs under a goal line. Oh, under right, we hear third down back. Under we go, oh, that guy's second useful. Down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last thing, um, you went to Jets camp Thursday. How'd that go? What'd you see? Anything interesting? <laughs> well, I was there for a story. I was supposed to talk to Josh McCown as for a story on play calling. Um, and I didn't even get him because the quarterbacks aren't coming out now until Tuesday. So oh, wow. it was a total waste. But I was really impressed where when I was walking out into the field, like I, I had to stay back because I had to do uh, – a little bit of work before I went out there and they were doing their seven on nothing drills basically. Um, but McCown's arm strength I thought was, was surprisingly good. Um, and Hackenberg showed good arm strength, but literally missed like six receivers in a row with nobody <laughs> even defending them. I'm not kidding. And it was like the air drills with the guys waving brooms at the combine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not even that because like, there was nobody waving a broom and he was still missing them and and petty was just you know he's got subpar arm strength at least compared to those two guys all right so um josh mccown actually um until recently i heard he moved back to texas but he he before he went back to the bears a few weeks ago he uh, sorry a few years ago he was assistant coaching at a high school south of charlotte which is literally down the street from my house 
He sounds like a coach. I've heard him on uh, on the radio. Yeah. And uh, he, you could tell he's going to be a future NFL coach. Yeah. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. And his kid was my fr- was my friend's son's quarterback on his Pop Warner team. His kid is a lefty, actually. Um, he was a pretty good quarterback, but he's only like eighth grade. Anyway, tangent there. But when he, the people at the Panthers have told me that Josh McCown, in the years that they've been there, when they do pick up basketball games and things like that, Josh McCown is the best basketball player that's been around there. Like he's a freak athlete. Yeah. He really looks like it. Like he did not look 38 at all. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I've seen, you know, I mean, reverse dunks and stuff. I mean, really interesting because sometimes quarterbacks can be kind of stiff and he's totally the opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, right. But, you know, it's not going to matter because there's nobody for the Jets to throw to. So. Yeah. Rob, Robbie Anderson, some, as I said earlier, someone's got to catch the ball. Safarian Jenkins, come on, give me some. Yeah, Safarian Jenkins did look like a Frankenstein out there yesterday. <laughs> that guy looks like a refrigerator with a head on it. <laughs> running patterns. Remember when we all thought he was going to be awesome when he was a rookie? I mean, he looks awesome. He just doesn't play awesome. All right. We, if, now that we're talking about the Jets fantasy players, I think it's time to wrap it. <laughs> Hey, man, this was fun. Thanks a lot, John. You're welcome. Um, so listeners to this podcast can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod, no credit card required. That's going to let you check out nearly all the features on the site. Again, rotowire.com slash pod. Mike, thanks a lot. Um, we talked about Zero Bad QB. We talked about the All Upside team, both of which you can check out uh, in Yahoo Fantasy Sports search under Mike Salfino's name. Uh, what else are you working on right now? You were talking about, um, the, 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 you mentioned something earlier. What else are you up to? Well, I got a lot of things coming up for 538, um, and I'll probably be writing there a, a, a lot on uh, Mondays after the Sunday games, previewing the Monday night um, game on ESPN, and uh, you know, doing uh, some longer pieces for the journal uh, where I interview people like Parcells, who I've developed a little bit of a relationship with, which feels weird, but is a lot of fun. Yeah, and. Uh, um, you know, obviously the fantasy stuff, I'm, I always got my, my, uh, hands in that. And plus Twitter, yeah. which, which at I Michael Salfino on Twitter. Yes. So is Parcells a gruff guy? You know, he's been really nice to me. I think he likes the fact that I'm from Jersey and yeah. he w- actually went to, uh, um, uh, Becton, uh, I think was his high school, which is in East Rutherford, a town over. So he talks about that a lot. Um, you know, he likes the fact that I know Jersey slang like ham and acre and I know what Taylor ham is. And <laughs> so plus I know history. That's the thing. Like you'd be surprised how many sports writers, if you talk to them about like Dave Meggett, they have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So, right. Um, so yeah, and you're, and you're Bergen County, which is where he's from, right? Are you Bergen? Exactly. County? Yeah. Yes, I am. Southern Bergen County though. Right. Okay. Yeah, he's the a, wrong side of Bergen County. Wrong side of Bergen. Yeah, I got it. It's funny. The right side. Yeah, I got a friend who lives in Ridgewood. So yeah. yes, that's the right side. That's the that's the darn darn nice. But we're right they're still there. We could look down on certain parts of Bergen County and Southern Bergen County, just like they look down on us. So <laughs> All right. we're not at the bottom of the food chain. Thanks a lot for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Okay, it was a lot of fun. Thank. You. And folks, I'm adding this part on at the end. Sorry if it sounds a little different. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode will be coming on Monday, so please check back then for more great fantasy football information from experts that are going to help you with your draft. For Michael Salfino, I'm John Halpin. Have a great weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.